Thank you. You may be seated. And it is such a blessing to have everyone with us this morning. I know that there are probably some kids in here that are wanting to go to Children's Church, but actually today is the week that the kids get to stay in with us. This is our fifth Sunday, uh, and anytime we have a fifth Sunday, we believe that it is healthy for our kids to be able to get a glimpse as to what the adults do, what big church is like, and this is that week for that. So we are so glad to have everyone with us uh, as a part of our service this morning. It's also a blessing just to be in the house of the Lord and to be able to celebrate His goodness. I have had the privilege of pastoring. This is my fourth church that I've pastored at over 20 seven years, uh, which is fantastic. And my plan is to be here until I retire. I don't want to go anywhere else. This is where God has placed us. And I believe that's for the long term. Well, we've had some great churches where we've been though, and some very unique individuals. In fact, in our church in Colorado, we had one individual who was incredibly unique. He was an Elvis impersonator. And apparently he was a pretty good one. He would perform and people would go crazy. In fact, his wife lamented that at times they would be accosted by strangers on the street because they were so infatuated with who this Elvis impersonator was, a musician who had been dead for decades already. I know that's news to you. Some have said that he's still alive. He's not. He's dead. Uh, Anyways. Can you imagine having a love or an infatuation for God that was so deep and rich like that? Or better yet, can you imagine a God who had that kind of love and infatuation for you? Well, I want you to know today that you do have that kind of a God. And the beauty with that kind of love is that he brings with him incredible blessing and power. Today, I want to continue in this series that we've been going through entitled God Is, as we highlight the immovable character traits within the God that we serve. If someone were to describe you, what would they highlight? Your hair, your kindness, maybe your talents and abilities, your type of employment, or maybe a family relationship. A lot of the things that we use to describe people can be accurate, but so often it's not really what's important. With God, what is important is us knowing that he will always be the same. Circumstances do not change who he is. So far we've seen that God is sovereign that he's over everything, that he's able to do anything, that God is always present and desiring to help us. And then last week, we talked about God as the merciful judge. Now, I always evaluate my sermons afterwards. I'm sure y'all do while I'm preaching. It's okay. I do every Sunday. And I wanted to share one more thing from last Sunday's message that I felt I didn't make clear enough to you. The title last Sunday was Merciful Judge. God is our merciful judge. But that title is somewhat of an oxymoron. That's because the two terms seem incompatible with each other. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Although God as our judge 
should indicate that we are getting what we deserve, that we are getting what is coming to us. Understand that these two terms would be completely incompatible if not for one thing. God is not setting aside justice for the sake of granting mercy. Instead, he is simply allowing someone else to receive the justice, the punishment, and the wrath so that we can receive mercy. And of course, that someone else is Jesus Christ. In other words, God's not just saying, just forget about it, it doesn't matter, because it does matter. The wage of sin is death. Instead, he is saying, tell you what, I'll pay the fine. I'll take the heat for what you've done. That is a mercy that still delivers justice according to the law. And I did not feel as though I had stated that clearly enough last week, so that's where I begin today. Well, today I want us to look at another attribute of God. I want us to see that no matter how big our problems may seem, they are never too big for him. That is because he is all-powerful. And to best illustrate this, we're going to use a passage that's found in Ephesians chapter 3. If you want to turn there with me, that would be great. Ephesians chapter 3, just giving you a heads up, we're going to be in verses 14 through 21. In this passage, we actually read a prayer that is offered by the Apostle Paul as he prays for the Ephesians church, knowing that they are about to face or are already facing incredible junk. Ephesus is a major city in the Roman Empire, and with all the commerce and travel that went through Ephesus, that also meant that there would be many secular influences that they would have to deal with. No doubt being a Christian in Ephesus would not be an easy life. It actually sounds a little bit about, about like the world we live in today. There are so many secular influences around us, so many things that will push at our faith and many times try to stop us from being the people that God called us to be. But the truth is God has given us everything we need to be victorious already. It's not a bad thing that we are challenged by the world around us, but rather God can even use our challenges to make us stronger in him. What this would mean for the Ephesian church, and it ought to mean for us, is that in order for the Christians at Ephesus to remain faithful to the Lord, they would have to choose daily to remain devoted to the Lord. There was no letting their guard down. It was kind of like the instruction that Paul gave to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where he said, be careful when you think you are standing strong. The idea is that there would be no room for compromise. They could not stop fighting. But as they stood strong, they would develop into incredibly mature believers who could face anything. Anyways, back to our passage back in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 14, this is what it says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power 
through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Obviously, we are reading a prayer here, and I kind of picture at the beginning here, Paul is saying, I am praying for you, but I want you to know exactly what I am praying for you. Think for a moment about how special this must have felt for the Ephesian church to know that the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest evangelists and missionaries that the world would ever know, the Apostle Paul is praying for them. Man, I had to feel good. This past Friday night, I had a conversation with a couple of young people who have not been making the best life choices. Of course, I share with them the fact that I was a pastor and that God could change their lives if they would only allow God to take control of their lives. We talked for a while, and the young man asked me to pray for him. I told him that I would, and then continued on with the conversation. And then he interrupted me, and he said, No, I, I mean, will you pray for me, like, right now? Obviously, I stopped what we were doing, because nothing else mattered at that moment. And I prayed for both of them, laying hands on them. Now, it should be noted that these two individuals could have prayed to the Lord on their own. Remember that we've already talked about the fact that God is always present. He desires to help. But to them, it meant something to know that I was praying for them. This young church that Paul is dealing with is told that Paul himself is praying for them and it likely meant the world to them because they felt inadequate on their own. But surely the power of Paul's prayer would mean something to them. So what did he pray about? Actually, much of the prayer reveals more about the God that they serve rather than anything about Paul or the church at Ephesus. You see, prayer is not about the one who is praying it, but the one we are praying to. Sprinkled within this prayer, we see three aspects of God's power that is available to those who are in Christ. Look at it. The first thing that we see is that God's power is available for you. Look again at verses 16 and 17. Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What Paul is praying for is that God's power would be extended to you. He's praying that God would grant you strength and power, but not merely, not merely for you to accomplish things on your to-do list. Or not merely to heal our bodies from sickness and weakness 
Instead, he is praying that God would grant us power and strength in our inner being so that what the rest of the world sees is Jesus Christ in us. So that Christ will be more than just a passenger along for the ride, but so that he will dwell in us richly. You know, we had a board meeting this past Thursday night, and at our meeting, we always take time to pray for one another and the needs of the church. And there's no doubt that there is much that we ought to pray for. In fact, we've already prayed for some of the needs this morning. On Thursday night, just among the folks in that room, as we took prayer requests, we quickly came up with about a dozen needs that needed the Lord's attention. Of course, I already knew what I was going to preach on, but I found it funny that all of the needs that had been mentioned were physical in nature. One had fallen and broken an arm. We had a few who had been in surgery just a day or two earlier, and we had others who had some medical procedures that were coming very soon. In addition, we had some who were dealing with different types of sickness and one who was dealing with a medication issue, and one who had been in an automobile accident just a few hours earlier. You know, it's good that we pray for all of those things. After all, God is the only one who is able to meet our every single need. He is the great physician. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He is the one to turn to. And the scriptures actually teach us to pray for those who are sick, And those who are in need, it tells us that we have not because you ask not. Therefore, we probably ought to be asking. But God is also very much concerned with the spiritual needs and not just the physical. So we didn't just go to prayer over our physical needs, but rather we began to talk about some of the other needs that were present. Because I believe God cares about those things. Did you know that we had five children who surrendered their lives to Christ just two weeks ago in our Awana ministry? Actually, it's great to celebrate that. We ought to celebrate that that's happening. But that also is a reason for us to pray. We ought to be praying for those young people, not only that God would protect them, but that God would also have his way in their hearts, that he would develop them in to the young men and the young women that God created them to be. This morning, you heard an announcement from April. I'm so excited about our women's ministry that's going to be starting in January. That needs to be prayed for. We as the body of Christ ought to be praying for those ladies. Do you know how many ladies there are in this church that need not only encouragement, but need someone who will pour into them the word of God and help them to become the women that God called them to be? Of course, even tonight, we'll have probably 1,500 or so people on our property. What if just one of those people were able to discover hope in Jesus Christ because of their time with us. What about a Celebrate Recovery ministry? Whether you realize it or not, we have always had people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So often we look at a ministry like Celebrate Recovery and we almost have this idea that now we're bringing in the troubled people. That is such a lie. 
The reality is this church has been filled with people with hurts, habits, and hangups for decades, for centuries. Well, we've only been around for a century. The point is, this is nothing new. But as we start this ministry, we're going to see many of the spiritual needs met that have fed those hurts, habits, and hangups. And we need to be praying for those who will be a part of that ministry. The point is that God is the only one who is able to address all of our needs. The physical needs, absolutely, we ought to be praying for them, but he also can address the spiritual needs as well. For most of us, it's easy to talk about our physical health issues, but what do you need when it comes to your spiritual health? Are you spiritually dry? Do you need a personal revival? Do you need more discipline when it comes to reading the scriptures or praying? Do you need to deal with a lingering sin issue or maybe a faith issue? Are you like the father who said to Jesus, I do believe now, help me with my unbelief. Again, it's good for us to pray for the physical needs, but don't neglect the spiritual needs as well. For both of them, we have one God who is more than able to take care of us. He has power that is available to you. In fact, I want to take a moment and pray for you. Simply the words that Paul uses. Father, right now, I pray that according to the riches of your glory, that you may grant to us to be strengthened with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. But God's power is not only for you, According to verses 18 and 19, God's power is also in you. Paul continues his prayer that they may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In the Spanish Inquisition, a prison was found, and this prison was more like a cave. A man had been put in that prison for his faith, and when they unearthed the prison, there was nothing there but a skeleton. That man had gotten a rock, and on the wall of the cave, he made a cross. At the top of it, he put height. At the bottom of it, he put depth. On one arm, he put breadth. And on the other, he put length. The resources of this verse offered this man hope to power through while wasting away in prison. Prayer is a striving to take hold of God, according to Isaiah 64, 7. The way in ancient times people took hold of a cloak of a great man as they appealed to him. You remember the woman who had the continuous issue of blood and she thought, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, that would be enough. I could at least get a little bit of what he had to offer. 
We are to grab hold of God in prayer and not let go. Most of us know about the love of God, but we spend our lives searching for love and approval from everyone else. How calm and settled we would be if we truly experienced the love of Christ within our inner being. You know, the furthest galaxy we have ever discovered is 13.4 billion light years away. It is, uh, it is likely there are galaxies out there even further away. The deepest hole is an abandoned, super deep borehole in Russia that I read about this week that reaches seven and a half miles below the Earth's surface. You know, Christ's love is in both of those places. Christ's love goes beyond the boundaries of time and the borders of space. Christ's love reaches every aspect of our world. And the beauty of it is he chooses to make his dwelling within us. When this passage talks of, the, of knowing the love of God, we're not just talking about a simple type of brotherly love, but rather a love that is so deep and complete that it seems unreal to us because it's foreign. We don't see that often. That's the kind of love that goes beyond the breadth and the height and the depths and the width of our own comprehension. And I love the way these verses end. It talks about being filled with all the fullness of the love of God. It's not the kind of power that is available if we can only reach God. The reality is it's the kind of power that is available because he has chosen to make his dwelling in us. Therefore, the power of God is available to us as well. Do you remember the, the movie, The Wizard of Oz? The primary purpose of Dorothy's journey down the yellow brick road was to reach home. She wanted to reach the wizard who could get her there. Well, after picking up some other characters along her journey and enduring various pitfalls along the way, they finally reach the quote-unquote mighty wizard. And while he's able to help the other characters with their needs, he explains to Dorothy that he can't make her return to home. However, he adds that she had the ability all along within her. All she had to do was apparently click her heels and say there's no place like home. Now what we see in our scripture passage is more than some mystical, magical fantasy like we see in The Wizard of Oz. But I wonder if there aren't some believers in here today who need to be reminded that God is readily available to meet your needs right now. That the power is available to you that God has chosen to make his dwelling in you. I was with a couple of our Clemson police officers this week, and one of them made mention of the fact that I needed to pray for him. The other officer chimed in, you know the Lord listens to you as well, right? The officer was correct. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, then you've already got the power that you need right at your fingertips, in fact, even closer. It's time for us to know the fullness of God. But the fullness of God is not some far off thing. It is available now. In Acts chapter 2, we're told that on that day, the Holy Spirit showed up on the day of Pentecost. And 
Among all those who had gathered, they experienced a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As we look at the remainder of what happened throughout the book of Acts, we see that the Spirit that fell upon them on that day remained upon them in the years ahead. That's why many of the disciples would walk the streets. And I told you about the woman who grabbed at the hem of Jesus' garment. She thought if I could only touch the hem of his garment, the power of God would be there and it would be available to me. Well, in the New Testament church, what we see is as Peter walked the streets, the people didn't even want to touch the hem of his garment. They just thought if I could only allow his shadow to cross me, the power of God would be so real that it could actually meet my need here today. Did you know that the same Spirit of God that dwelt in Peter has been made available to you and to me? He's the same God, same yesterday, today, and forever. And he chooses to make his dwelling among us. I believe that the power of God is just as much available today as it ever has been. Some of us have been living like we, if we just got a little bit of Jesus, it would be good. But he wants us to have the fullness of God, which includes the spirit dwelling in you richly. Now, I know that this message is in many ways about the power of God that is available to us. But I want you to know that when the spirit of God comes upon you, it's not just about you getting the things that you want. What it's about is the transformation that can take place when the Holy Spirit truly shows his power. When lives are being changed, when the addictive lifestyle that has controlled your life no longer has a place in your life, when you begin to have different habits that are healthy habits, it's about the transforming work of God within you. I believe today that God wants us to have more of him Unfortunately, you know, I'm done with this point, but I, I got more I want to say. So here's the thing. There are many within the church who have had just a touch of Jesus. And they take on the name of Jesus. We talked about it the past couple weeks, just enough to be able to say that I'm no longer a sinner, but I have been saved by grace. But then we live like we're still the same person we were before. And what's happened is the Holy Spirit has never taken his position of lordship and leadership in your life. The fact is, God doesn't want you to continue in your sin. He wants you to be changed. And he has given you the Holy Spirit so that you can be changed. And I believe today that that's what God desires for every person in here. Well, the last thing that I want you to see this morning is that God doesn't just give his power for the sake of giving power. He desires that his power be used to work through you and through me. Look at verses 20 and 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That power that is within us is also supposed to be the power at work within us, bringing glory to the Lord. So, well, what's the point? The rest of the world should be able to see the power of Jesus in your life. Let me demonstrate this for you with an illustration. 
This past Friday afternoon, my family had the opportunity to enjoy a meal at a new restaurant in Central. It's called 133 Rails. It is a great restaurant, not that I'm trying to promote them at this point, but as a part of our meal, I had the opportunity to chat with the owner for a little bit. Really nice man. He'll talk your head off a little bit, but he's a good man. As we talked, I shared that I was a pastor at Trinity Wesleyan Church, and he immediately stopped me mid-conversation. He said, can I be honest with you for a moment? Now, to me, that sounded like he was about to give me something negative to get something off of his chest, and honestly, it made me just a little bit uncomfortable. He then said, there are a lot of church groups that come into restaurants and they don't always leave a good impression of what a Christian is supposed to look like. Then he added, this past Sunday, you had a group of people come here from your church. And at that point, I'm thinking, oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> he said, when they left, I told my staff that was the most Christ-like group I have ever met in my life. What a relief that was to me as the pastor. <laughs> to know that you as the body of Christ were representing not only the church, but representing Christ so well. I remember many years ago, I was, we had a church basketball team and Everybody on the team got shirts and it had our church name on it. And honestly, we weren't a great team, but we really had a great time. And one night after one of our games, apparently one of the guys had been, he was wearing his church basketball shirt and he stopped at a convenience store to grab a case of beer. And as he grabbed that case of beer, he came to the counter and sure enough, just as he was about to walk out, one of the other guys from the team came in and he's wearing his church shirt as well. And this young man was a brand new believer in Christ and it broke his heart to see him representing the church name in that way. I know you could say, some of y'all are sitting there thinking, well, you could have a beer and it'll be okay. Here's the deal. The reality is we represent the name of Jesus Christ, and I don't want to do anything that will compromise the name of Jesus. We represent even this church body, and I don't want to do anything that would compromise even the name of this church. The reality is there is a world that is watching every single one of us, and I recognize today that there are times that maybe we have failed. All of us have. I want you to know today that it matters who you represent. It thrilled me to know that as the body of Christ, you were representing this church and the Lord well. Of course, those individuals, I do know who they were now, but I didn't know who they were as he was speaking. But they didn't know that I was going to come along behind them and have that conversation with them. So they weren't doing it for recognition. But that's the kind of impression that we should be making as we allow the Spirit of God to have his way in us. I wonder today, is the power of God at work in you? I do believe that God wants to do great things. And we got some really talented people. We got some good people. It's not enough to change the world. 
But the power of God is more than enough to change the world in which we live. Will you allow him to take the leadership role in your life? We're going to pray, and I want to pray specifically that the Lord would pour out his spirit on you, but I'm going to use the words of the Apostle Paul. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, first we come before you and we confess that we have fallen short. There have been times that we have not been the church that we were called to be. There have been times that we have not represented you in the way that truly brings honor and glory to your name. We confess today and we ask for your forgiveness and we pray that from this moment forward, you would empower us to be different. And we pray as the apostle prayed. For this reason, I bow my knees before you, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to your riches, the riches of your glory, that you may grant us to be strengthened with power through your spirit and our inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that, you, that us being rooted and grounded in love, we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to you, Lord, who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or imagine, according to your power that is in work within, within us, to you be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. My prayer today is that you would know the power of God in you, through you, and that he would do great things because of what you know. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, we did not take up an offering. There will be those at the doors who will have an offering plate, and you'll have the opportunity to do that if you feel led to do so. Thank you, and go in peace.